Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. We're your hosts, Whiskey and Rocks. Today's episode is inspired to you by the iconic Tim Hortons, the company that is so Canadian that it's not even owned by Canadians anymore. Why would you say that? Well, it's true, isn't it? It's owned by, what is that company named? Brands International. Um, but uh, today we're joined by another special guest. We brought uh, we brought Smokey the Bear. So it's just Smokey. It's just Smokey. Just Smokey. <laughs> All right, Smokey is uh, joining us today. But today we're going to talk about uh, modern imperialism. So I brought back up again. So we're gonna we're gonna team up against you and see see what happens. What do you think it is? I'm just tired of companies getting their way and not and taking away Canadian values and identities. Well, how are they taking away values and identities from you? Look at the examples that we've got so far right now. Okay, you've got the 407, which isn't even owned. It's it's the majority shares are owned by uh, some Spanish company. Okay, so there's one. We've got Hydro One is owned privately. Yeah, majority shares are owned by a private company. That doesn't mean it's owned private. It's a publicly, partially publicly traded company. Partially publicly traded company? Yeah. Yeah, because they only sold off part of it. They didn't sell the whole thing. Yeah, they just sold off the part that's, you know, they say they're going to control it, but really the operation of it is private. They're, they have to answer the stakeholders, the shareholders. That is private. It's a public traded company, so they have to operate by corporate rules. Private mm-hmm. means a sole proprietorship in which maybe one or two people own the entire thing and how it's operated. There's a lot of rules involved in how corporations are run for reporting and standards of conduct. So it's, it's different. So if I if, when you say it's owned by the Chinese or it's owned by a company... Anyways, um, well, you have to look at it from the little guy. The little guy. And he's going, he's going, hey, I have to pay hydro. I'm sitting here at home. I'm paying so many cents on, on my hydro. And I got this stupid little bill at the end saying delivery. Where's the delivery truck? Is it a hydro truck that shows up every freaking week and goes, hey, here's your hydro, bud? Think Plugs about how you much in. you have to spend, like on any toll route. Okay, America's pretty famous for it. Well, let's focus on one topic here before we start chasing squirrels. No, we were going to hit you with as many topics as possible. <laughs> we're just going to overwhelm you with information. Yes, and bullshit so this steady, is baffle this mine. So you have with the hydro, though, you have that steady increase, the steady increase in the charges. And it's like, well, where's it going towards? Where's it going towards? And then you hear about the the CEO making, how much did, did he make a year? What was his annual uh, income? Millions? So, if not billions, no, not and billions. billions, of course not. Well, it was it was a couple million a year. He's in the, comparison he's to on the satire here, but well, in yeah. comparison to his his uh, rivals or his counterparts across Canada that made six figures, yes, because they do have an important job. But that raises, but you look at Manitoba, six hundred some odd thousand a year. That raises a question. I mean, it's a, it's something like Hydro One is an essential service. Like, is that something that people should be making money off of Ontarians? Or any citizen within Canada when it's an, an, an essential service? Okay, well, let's unpack this. Uh, the first one is, why do you have a cost a cost associated with delivery charge? Well, do you buy winter tires? No. Do you buy tires ever? Comes with a car. 
I just replaced my car every five times. <laughs> so you're the guy bounced off the side of the curb in this was first snowstorm of the year because he got no tread left. Uh, wires, especially telephone pole wires, wear out. There's maintenance to, that needs to be done, and who's going to pay for that? It comes out of our taxes, does it not? No. If it's an essential service. No, it doesn't. If it's controlled by the government, we pay taxes that are supposed to, some funds or some envelopes should go towards maintaining those services. you got an electric bill. You have a mandatory requirement to, to in, enroll in that product in order to maintain your residence. Second piece is that you're charged a fee. That fee goes for hydro, the hydro companies to operate. So Which includes main, maintenance. And maintenance of the lines. So why do you get a delivery charge? Well, it goes towards the maintenance of the lines. Well, no, that's not why they brought in the delivery charge in Ontario. They dressed it up as a delivery charge, but they said, well, you have, we have to pay off the debt. Yes. We have to pay off the debt because we mismanaged this corporation for so long that it's indebted so badly mm. that now, <clears throat> in order to pay it off, we're going to tack onto the surcharge. Yeah, but I mean, you're, 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 it's, it's funny that you picked this one particular company because it's so muddled in... in in um, political meddling. So you have the well, government yeah, look, at, look at the reason why they sold it off in the first place. Well, it's probably better that they did because if you look at, oh, we're going to have the new elected Doug Ford, said we're canceling all the other projects we had started. Excellent. <laughs> if you look towards the future, if you have a future viewing of electricity going, there's... If you just randomly start projects and cancel them, you invest money in starting up a project. You cancel it, you lose money. Well, oh, yeah. And then liberals. you have to pay cancellation fees and all exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah, so like that. the liberals with gas plants in Toronto because their uh, constituents were angry that they didn't know about a gas plant being built in Toronto that was public knowledge for so many years, but it comes down to an election. And it's like to maintain those votes. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll yeah, cancel. it's like, look we'll at how cancel. much money we're, look at how much of a deficit we've created. Let's just sell something off that's incredibly important to Canadians. And so that way it look, makes our budget look good. So, so let me get this correct, that you're complaining about someone making a proper business decision to support the local constituents of Toronto. And then when the businesses are responding to that need by putting a, a plant there, oh, you're you, guys, of- you guys are complaining that the political interference said we canceled and lost all the fees. You can't have it both ways, guys. He's one of those Toronto people. Mm, mm. Big city. No, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm totally not. But the point is, is that look at your argument. <laughs> well, my argument is, is that the essential service should be run by the government. The issue with it is you have a publicly managed company because it's an essential <clears throat> service. So it should be there to provide a service at cost, not making money for its uh, shareholders. So when you mismanage it to the point of let's just let's just get rid of it because the private corporations will be able to manage it better if it's a free market. They sell it to us like the free market. But when it's an essential service and we're forced by law to connect to it, yeah, is when we're like, well, you know what? If you're going to charge so much, well, just produce my own power. It's not even that. Like, and then they still whoa. they still charge you on that. Yes. Okay, well, so this... You pop, shut off the breaker, okay, you still are charged. Hit pause there. <laughs> Smokes. Smokey. Smokey. Right. Come on. Come on. All right. <laughs> Anyways, what's that behind your ear? It's <laughs> <laughs> fire. Right, it's a little so, hot in here. <laughs> I think the point becomes you can't have both ways. When monopolies operate... I never said they monopoly. Will, 
It is a monopoly. So you did. We won. It's an essential service run by the government. There's one central controlling entity that governs exactly how all everything's distributed. There's the supply and demand curve. But it's a Mon- different monopoly. Monopoly. No, it's, it's not. It's a good monopoly. Because it's a monopoly. Just by stop the people. talking for like 15 seconds. It's a monopoly by the people. Yeah, for the people. Start throwing monopoly money at you. <laughs> hey, you're just in luck. <laughs> Anyways, when the supply and demand curve, monopolies have, will have, always have a tendency to produce to the amount where they cover their costs. And this they won't overproduce. So by incentivizing forward production, you actually increase the efficiency of that monopoly. Now, the second, there's a second piece to this. When, you're, when you say, we're only going to produce at that cost. Okay, so what are your costs? Okay, distribution, the current, the current rates for leasing property for running power lines. And then any generation costs, some maintenance costs, some little bit overhead. Okay, so what about future expansion? What's re- what's the requirement for future expansion right now? Are you talking about like in expanding lines and expanding uh, lines, and upgrading conduits? Where's that going to come from? But you just told me I'm only going to do it at cost. Yeah. So unless you charge more more than cost, you're not going to get. You're not going to be able to have that float in order to pay for that expansion. Well, that's called future planning. Yeah. So, what, do you, what if you have a, 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 a chain that comes through, rips out an entire uh, series of lines, a substation in Ottawa, for example? Where's that money going to come from? We only covering costs, so now that has to borrow. Yeah, like they always did from the taxpayers. Well, and now that's if it's all private, they if, have if, if it's a private company, it doesn't borrow from taxpayers. Well, what's the private company going to do when they want to expand, anyways? They're going to be like, "Whoa, this is a big project." But you know what? It's for the people. So, hey, government, can we get some money for this? Because we're not going to be yeah. able to do it ourselves. But look at it. We're a multi-billion because dollar corporation. Because there are corporations that can float bonds. And governments float bonds too. You, you think that's just the taxpayers? Governments float bonds. That's how they operate. They don't actually... Because well, they, they don't own gold anymore. So, yeah, they have nothing known. to borrow against. It wouldn't matter. It does, uh, the gold argument of gold is irrelevant. It's based on the assets. <laughs> well, we haven't been on the gold standard since like the 70s or 80s. Yeah, or but it's something. all based on, on equity and liquidity. So there's a whole bunch of different it's ratios. Borrowing against what you own. Own and your ca- future cash flows, your current cash flows, your current holdings, and all the other stuff. Then that determines what your risk le- level is. And because you're government, your risk level is lower because you can always borrow future years and people aren't just randomly disappearing unless you're living in maritimes. But... <laughs> Well, they don't know all the swing. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is there's no difference between government and business in this context. You could call it an essential service, but that only protects them under certain things. But in this, and the, the other part of that is when you're in an essential service, there's obligations you have to the government in order to provide your service. Like, like, like citizens are, like you mentioned, like Smokey mentioned earlier, um, we are legally required. To be hooked up to that grid, right? Yeah. So, isn't that part of it? Like, it's not like it's not like they're selling a product to consumers, and it's up to the consumer and whether or not they want to buy that product. It's no, you you are gonna fucking take this whether you like it or not. You don't have to own. You don't have to own the house. If you don't own the house, you don't want to own the rules. You still have to pay the bill, though. But come on, you're not gonna be successful, or you're not gonna have like. What's the point of what's yeah. the point of having anything? Like, what, what's the point of even getting a job then? Why don't I just go live out in the bush, out in? No, because you're still gonna have to pay hydro. You're still gonna have to pay hydro. <laughs> yeah, if you have hydro connect, 
if you build a pro- building and that meets code, yeah, you can look, camp it up. But the, the point is, if you're going to go that side, then prepare, prepare to accept the consequences. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. There's certain obligations here. And the other point is, that who? If I've, I've looked at houses where the the guys ripped out Ontario Hydro and his property value tanked. So you're coming on to this, the scene here and you're looking to buy that house. Well, the next person can't buy it. Are there are there costs like what they're charging us completely transparent? Because I don't get the feeling that they are, and I and I'm my assumption is coming from not many Ontarians, especially know exactly what it is those charges are covering off of. Like it doesn't seem transparent to me. For to get to my point, it sounds like if they're gonna make it. Um, if they're going to put the responsibility on us that we have to in order to uh, how do I how do I word that if we are obligated to be hooked up to that grid and we have to pay those fees in order to be hooked up to that grid shouldn't there be an obligation on their part to be completely transparent with costs with what they're what they're charging us for that hookup for what services they're providing. Did you read their annual report where they state all? God the no! Who the fuck does? You just asked the question. The answer is in there. It's so you're saying online. yes? And because it's a publicly traded company, there's more obligation for them to report it. Because if they if things are happening, it's not covered in the financial report. Typically, their stock price will fall. If they want to use those that that stock for future growth. They need to report it, need to handle it, need to have a plan for it. It's a publicly traded company, but it's privately owned. It's like, what is that? How does like That's how does an that factor in? I told you in the meeting that doesn't happen. But the, how, okay, so then why do I keep hearing in the money. news? What, how do I? Why do I keep hearing in the news that um, the government does not own controlling shares of that company? I keep hearing that. Yeah, but you say two things. So let's get the words down straight. Privately, privately owned company is is mom and pop, similar to mom and pop. Okay. Mr. X owns company Y. He owns everything to do with it. Takes all responsibility. His house is even tied to that thing. All his personal assets are tied to that company. Let's say Mr. B, okay? He owns shares in a publicly traded company. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Is this Mr. Bean? Yeah. Mr. Burns or just Mr. B? Shut the hell up. <laughs> but anyway. Mr. Bar- Mr. Burns owns. Okay. 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 Quit chasing squirrels. Okay. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> Mr. Bean owns a car. The point is, is that if you own a share of a publicly traded company, there, as a shareholder, there, there are uh, obligations to you. So either dividends, proper maintenance of the company. Is, 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 you own shares, and there's reporting involved. So you get prospectus. What the plant company is planning to do. Okay, that, all that's in their filings. If you're a crown corporation or a public company, yes, okay, mm-hmm. government owned, mm-hmm. they have a different set of reporting rules. They have to follow certain other rules as different organizations. They also held to a higher standard because they're a public company. However, we all know that bureaucracies are notoriously inefficient. I heard you guys talking about this last time. Okay, so there's issues with with, with that type of model. Now, if you say, well, oh, I, I, uh, we don't like this because we should be more transparent. And if you don't read the prospectus, well, the, the, the information is being filed. It's for you to consume. Choke on the paper. 
<laughs> I think the frustration comes from it may be public, but who in the public is actually going to buy it? So you have Joe Blow who makes six to eighty thousand. Even a person that makes one hundred and hundred and twenty thousand, they're not focused on. Well, I'm going to make enough money so I can buy enough shares so I can take control back of my power to be able to do something about it. You're not going. It's not your company. You can you can buy. 51%. So it's not my company, and it's no, not the it, government's company. They offer so public shares of that company, and they're tied to making money for their shareholders. Yes, yes, which is counterproductive to an essential service that has to be provided to at cost. You can put in there, we're going to have future spending because of inflation, because of growth and all that good stuff, 5% on your normal bill. Okay, people, it's passing legislation, that'll be set in stone, and that'll cover off future costs, as opposed to a private, or correction, your publicly traded company that every year or every quarter, they're going to report on making a profit. And if they don't make a profit, where did you lose it and whose head can I have? Because I want my fifth Lamborghini as that shareholder. Wow. I'm a shareholder. Do I get a Lamborghini? Wow. That's a uh, pretty pigeonholing uh, who investors are. Well, I, I'm sharing a, an opinion. <laughs> I know so, that. All day, I, 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 all, I, I guess if you invest in Ontario Hydro, Smokey says you'll get a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to invest. They probably will. Hydro. Yeah, they probably will. No, and they'll won't. flaunt that shit around. Yeah. So on the four hundred seven that only they can drive on. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of government control, so it's not just our rent. Like government right? It's government it's rules. rules. Yes. So to get that exclusivity, so they were given exclusivity in order to produce on uh, power in hydro in uh, hydro in Ontario. If the government takes that exclusivity away. So they turn into a corporation. Just think about Canada Post. Canada Post used to be the only delivery service. Well, care. and it also used to make a lot of money for the government. Okay, but then we open the door. We let other companies in. Let the other ones compete. Then there's more choice for value. So the more choices well, you have, hold on. The more choice you have, as it, there's different strategies that companies can do. You have low cost leaders. Okay, <laughs> and mm-hmm. if the service is notoriously inefficient. You're going to use that paper over there. If the service is inefficient, the companies are forced to become more efficient. Otherwise, turn less, they become unprofitable. So some of the stuff that Canada Post is getting in, into difficulty for it because it, it, their costs are so high. You need to find a way to reduce costs. Well, that's we, just we like, already had a discussion on this, and I, I demonstrated my intellectual prowess in that, that episode. <laughs> so it's funny because I, I saw something on this where Canada Post... <clears throat> They made money for the government. They did. They're the only profitable uh, crown corporation. And because of their profit, you're, they're able to lower taxes. How is they're that one like stamps and shipping and all that stamp, kind of Stamps, shipping. <clears throat> something as simple as, uh, yeah, stamp collections or even the, the selling the coin collections. They used to sell those all, all the time right. and uh, through, the, through the post office. So that kind of item made money for the government. So above and beyond their mandate of delivery of mail, they made money for the federal government or the federalities, as we all like to know. <sighs> and that money went to the coffers. Now, and is, if it goes into the coffers, then it allows us to keep those taxes low. Now, isn't like just in the, last, in the last couple of years, they just started like they were starting to lose money? Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, why is that? Because of the overhead. Like you, 
Your, Jump right ahead. So, like, so yeah, look at look at the, their, their business model, how they're doing business, where they're doing, where they're doing business. There's there's lots of different factors where the costs are too high. Maybe they're plants. They didn't invest in plant uh, sorting of parcels, and because it's now a longer process, it takes more uh, human work, uh, human workers, in order to do it. So their costs are way up. I don't know. Okay. The point is, is that when you are competition forces prices down. That's the theory. Yes. No, it does. Competition does force prices. That's what the Liberals promised us with Ontario Hydro. Yeah, but this is sole provider. Well, who else provides? Actually, no, they weren't the sole provider. Ontario Hydro is the only one. No, Bruce Power also provided to the grid. Well, look. They also have also small distribution networks like Forest Power, Kingston Hydro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the mini uh, mini hydro plants. But the, most of the stuff is done by Ontario Hydro. So, so yeah, because the they're the central, they're the originating supplier of power, and then they just feed it through middlemen who end up putting their own little surcharge on and, it. And if you look in the feed-in tariff program where you can you put your solar panels and feed into the grid, that's under Ontario Hydro. Mm-hmm. So there's. Yeah, so they're a smaller producer, but they're putting for the main company. If they're looking to become a price leader, there's different ways to do it. If we want to take the burden off the taxpayer and how they're borrowing, the stock issuing stocks and bonds is another way. Uh, and on, in Manitoba, they had the Ontario Savings Bonds, uh, power, power bonds. So the <coughs> publicly held utility was actually selling bonds. So is that well? Is we that, did that for war as well. <laughs> and then we also no. brought out HST. It's, it's, well, that's how the we got income tax. <laughs> the income tax. We need to pay for a war here, people. So the the concept of bonds isn't a bad thing. So it allows corporations to get investment. But you're telling me it's a, it's un-Canadian or it's un uh, not favorable to the people to have an essential service that has the ability to access different money markets, stocks, bonds. That now opens the door for them. Well, we export power through them, or they export power to the states and to Quebec and to and to uh, Manitoba. But we don't do that at the same prices that we pay. They do it at a quarter or even less. Yeah, yes, yeah, because as a bulk overhead, they're going to administrate that power on their on, on so the other end. So why do we pay that? We don't pay that. Well, are you there's someone that handles the bill? It sends you on. that mailer. Sends all those accounts because it's all the bureaucracy. No, the, no see? bureaucracy I again. Threw it out right, again. The left hand poses as a right hand. <laughs> yeah, but I thought you're pro jobs. I thought you're pro the people working. I'm pro yes. people working to a Listen, common man. sense purpose. Listen, I, if there's I, no, I, if there's I no capitalism, I love the capitalism. No, you don't. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> Am I wearing a hey, big that's old? My line. <laughs> In my from Mother Russia, yeah. in my hair with the corporation. The only thing you want is a social service to be free to everyone that goes free to their house. No, I want a, I want an essential service that runs at cost for the people. It can't run at cost. We've already established that because you're no saying because that's in order to upgrade, in order to upgrade, you're saying it's services. for future for certain things, and I'm saying <clears throat> it's it was because of mismanagement. Why isn't that factored into the cost? It upgrade, is. Upgrade. Upgrade. <laughs> factored into the cost? Well, it all blows fees. But the, I, I think you guys get so stuck on this, the concept where, yeah, everything is flawed. Got it. Check. 
Okay. Because it's run by people. I agree with you. Uh, I agree. I agree with that. Because <laughs> yeah. Smokey's cousin is, is like a distant manager in Hydro One. <laughs> Not that crazy, but... Uh... <laughs> he only smokes daily. It's legal now. Um, but the point is... <laughs> That's right. It is legal. Mm. Anybody getting choked by pot fumes yet? Fuck. No? <laughs> anyway, so let's move, moving, along the, moving along here. It is a corporation, but you, you have to charge more. And you could say it's eroding, you know, what it's like to be an essential service and eroding how we want to live as Canadians. But those principles need to be there. Is from, from the news articles, it's fraught with mismanagement, but most bureaucracies are. Um, but it's getting heat and attention. you got to give them time to sort it out because firing everybody and sending them along the way is a recipe for disaster. Oh, for sure. I can agree with that. Okay. But... We don't, it, it just seems to me like it's just a lot of grandstanding and people not actually saying, okay, let's identify what the actual problem is and let's figure out um, how best to solve it. And I mean, I'm looking at not just something like Hydro One, I'm looking at something like, look at the 407. How many toll routes have you been on um, where they charge you like 250 just to enter onto the toll route and then take an expressway. There's they do it in Quebec all the time. There's the, um, the bypass. bypass 30 pa- past Montreal. Um, 407, you get a bill in the mail after they take a picture of your license plate, and it's going to be like 30 40 dollars depending on how many kilometers you drew drove on the on that uh, on that highway because we don't even own that. That serve we don't own that route. We don't own that service. It's it's a privately owned piece of property. <clears throat> yeah, and it's not even owned by a Canadian company. Sold off by the Ontario government because originally it was it was going to be a road for the government, by the government for the people, and it became for too which costly. People? Which people? The Ontario people. For Ontarians. Okay, Ontario. so so, the, so, so I, the, I said it all way too bad. Like just so over the top. Get, over the top. So people are getting access to the service. Right? You're not going to defend this, are you? Oh, no, you're going to defend the 407? People are getting access to I the service. I want to see you drive from end to and end. And they can choose whether or not to purchase it, right? The second right. piece to that is true. The yeah. second piece to that, so they're getting access to the service. They have the ability to choose of going on it or not. And three, because of the way the population <laughs> distribution is in Ontario, you're not favoring one region over the other. So where's the money going? Yeah, well, like we're spending all this money on this thing, building it. Well, my my point to it is, if Ontario, if the Ontario government just said, "Hey, we want to make it a toll route," hey, but all the stuff, all the money is going to go back into the government. So manage it like Hydro One. Not manage it like <laughs> Hydro One. <laughs> I'm I'm in favor of having a toll route that eases the the or is like a pressure valve. From the 401. It's going to be, it's going to have built-in bottlenecks. <laughs> no, but you know what, you get oh, the, my, you the get my metaphor. The, the stress, the collector room. Yeah. You, you get my, you get my metaphor, right? We've got 16 lanes of traffic already up and down that corridor. Um, I'm okay with having, putting a toll route for people who are willing to pay for it. I'm also in favor of a free route. Um, but I'm also I'm I'm in favor of both things at the same time. But what they're charging for that is ridiculous. I don't know what their costs are. They they break it up by costs. I'm not here to do it. They, they but, do it. They but do you it know, quite detail. You know what we should do? We should open up competition. We should have another route, ro- road in there. Right. Owned by let's say 
if that's the Spanish, the next road will be owned by the French. First, so, so should, the, should the government subsidize the beginning of that one? Why not? We can here, call it the 407 and a here, half. Here's Whiskey's plan. Step one, start a podcast. Step two, build a new highway for all of Ontario. <laughs> Come on. We're going to build it on stilts so no one can get on it. Oh, wait a second. Isn't there, isn't there one like that in Toronto? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And the stilts are starting to fall apart. Uh-huh. Speaking of Canadian takeovers, what about Tim Hortons? Not owned by a Canadian company. It's owned by Brands International. Now, that sounds to me like some sort of overarching conglomerate that owns a wide variety of different restaurants altogether. And they're trying to manage them more efficiently. Yeah, well, okay. they, they are a low-cost city, but by <clears throat> definition, they're business pros, so they're a low-cost city. So your argument would then be... If we decided to buy back Tim Hortons, if a Canadian company decided to buy back and own Tim Hortons, the cost would probably go up. The Horton family? You mean like how it started? Yeah. Where they made the donuts and the pastries in the Tim Hortons? Who whiskey thinks tastes like cardboard, by the way. The new ones do. I will agree with them on that. And I hope my wife doesn't listen to this because I'm going to degrade those donuts, especially the ones with the little sprinkles. Oh, yeah. Oh, but uh, the one is Restaurant Brands International purchased it because it they felt it fit in their portfolio. So they acquired a majority holding. They, if you think about it in the sense is, uh, they're low-cost leaders, so they're trying, as they go through it, they try and reduce costs wherever possible, yet appealing to the market. And, so, the, and by that, you're taking away some of the identity pieces of it, like when they, they change the beans. So people people realize that. People notice, notice it. They, oh, didn't, yeah. they might not know it's the bio, but they notice, wow, my coffee tastes different. And the, just that little change <clears throat> of Brands International going, we can save $0.10 cents per coffee, and that goes right back to our shareholders at 10 cents per coffee automatic savings to them yeah but you said right back it's much more no, no, it is it, it, i'm simple over simple so there's two things there's, there's two fallacies in what you said so correlation is group causation because they reduce 10 cents that means 10 cents goes directly back to shareholders they may reinvest it mm-hmm. and the, the other person your friend i mean it needs to be more empirical evidence saying because it my coffee tastes different today it must be brands international well, no well, it, it, must, right yeah. it must be Big Brother. It is Big Brother. Well, the, this is not Big Brother in this situation because they're a private, Ooh, private Big company. Brother. Big Brother is the government, right? Is it? Or is it a big corporation like Google? I could say probably Dark Roast <clears throat> is probably a cheaper coffee. Because that's why they're trying to integrate that into it. But I, I don't know. I don't it know. They're caffeine. trying to substitute one for the other one. Like well, I, he, I, just, he just hit on something right there. So mentioning Big Brother. So older people used to think Big Brother is the government, government staring in on you. What is Big Brother now? A TV show? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty decent TV show. <laughs> or we can look at it no, as, no, as these social media companies, these huge imperialistic monopoly company. Oh, not, not monopoly, uh, but these big, huge... Anti-monopolies. Yeah, anti-monopoly. You want to talk about well, Canadian monopolies, well, talk about phone companies. Well, <laughs> so oh. these large companies, they're not actually selling you <clears> items. <throat> so like Google, Facebook... Uh, those ones aren't selling you items. They're taking your information and selling it. Yeah. So at face value, they're not actually taking anything from you. There's no exchange of of monetary uh, value for goods, but they're offering you a free service with the stipulation of everything that you search, we're going to take that 
so we can sell it to other companies that will actually target you. And they'll make ad revenue. Okay, so so you understand how much data and processing power it takes to run Google. So in order to run a search engine, you have to crawl along and pick up the different pieces, string it together, prioritize searches. There's a whole bunch of process behind it. It takes a lot of... They did a really good job. Computation power to do it. So you're saying because they do it for free, it's unethical for them to sell the, the did analytics. I mention, did I mention ethic, the ethics behind it? Please. I just mentioned that they're using that to This is sell. what they're doing. It was in the, 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 the pretext. And you know what's really interesting is how they sell. It's the tone you set it with. Now, the, the, the pieces you need to understand is that nothing's for free. Mm-hmm. And just because there's everybody's making a buck somewhere, if the company doesn't make a dollar, it's not a company anymore. Period. Unless you're Tesla and you just keep. Posting so then Tesla. they just create. <laughs> so then they instead of doing it for the good of the well, people. instead of instead of selling real things and selling actual commodities or products, they're selling information. They've they've created a value around information due to our our new computing power over well, the next twenty years. If you look through the Cold War, through the Cold War, they've been doing it for a while. Uh, monetizing data, monetizing information, monetizing the aggregate of information is the heart of cyber cyber attacks. <clears throat> so, but this is now in a corporation, and it's doing it down to the individual level. The government of Canada does it on you. Statistics Canada is a is, yeah. Is they a just called company. me this weekend, and you know what I thought at first? I thought it was some hillbilly from some basement apartment trying to steal <laughs> my information at first. And that person on the other line was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa hold up here! No, no, no!" Mentioned a couple things, checking the boxes. It's really sad we have to do that, but checking the boxes. Okay, you sound legit. You're not trying to steal my identity. You're not trying to steal my money. Hi, Mr. Smoogie. How much are you telling <laughs> me? I, I would like to confirm some information for you about Statistics Canada. I am really looking. Am I looking that paranoid now? Do I look like I wear a tinfoil hat? Yeah, I think we, we, you, we should change your voice to like a Yogi Bear. <laughs> or Smoogie <laughs> the Bear. We're moving the conversation along. <laughs> is there like can they, can invest an exterior investment, uh, external investment, and foreign national investment is not a new concept. No, in Canada, okay. People are, are frustrated that even Spanish on the four hundred seven brands inter, restaurant brands international owns Tim Hortons. Um, Google owns your soul. Yes. Yeah. I have no soul. I'm good. <laughs> the only souls I have are the bottom of my shoes. <laughs> Which are brand new and looking quite nice. Very dapper. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> the color really brings out your... If you want to sponsor my shoes, <laughs> if anybody wants to sponsor my shoes, go right ahead. I'm open. Um, well, there's a, here's another one. Um, this is It's almost like a perversion of Canadian values. When you see, and I brought it up earlier about uh, cell phone companies. When they were talking about, I think it was, I, I'm not going to get the information right here, but there was talk a while. I know, I know. Fucking get a lot. I'm wrong. He Before chuckles, you, but I'm going, yeah, I'm going to do the okay, same too. So when it comes to, there was, it was a while back. It was a while back when uh, Canadian government, I think, was looking to open it up so that American um, cell phone companies or telecommunications companies were going to be offered the opportunity to come in. And um, sell their products, sell you know, have business in Canada. 
and I think it was Rogers and Bell in particular who did a smear campaign on those uh, on on how they would disrupt Canadian values and and completely uh, alienate Canadians by bringing their their different brand of capitalism into into Canada. And really, all they really wanted to do was create a monopoly for themselves. So they use a U.S. political smear campaign against it's a U.S. Lobby, companies. A lobby group. I think there's other pieces but, there's other But look pieces how much here. we have to pay for cell phone bills. Well, it's kind of funny you say and that because like Bell, let's, let's use the Bell one. Bell in Ontario, you can <clears> almost get three figures per month for... So you're like a hundred bucks or so. Let's just say that's the average. Yeah. For cell phone, single cell phone use in Ontario, that same cell phone company will charge people in Manitoba for the exact same service, forty dollars. Yeah. Right. And the exact same phone. So. Yeah. How is that? What gives? Yeah. How is that fair? Market supply and demand. So they know they can't sell it. So yeah. So I can get a PO box in Manitoba and get the exact same service. You can go get. Yeah. Go ahead. Do it. Actually, I think I might actually. <laughs> Do it. But it, that's what companies are preying on. They're preying on your in your unwillingness to go and work that extra mile to laziness. make sense of it. That's what they do. Okay, they so prey on consumer laziness. Let's bring back your soliloquy here. <laughs> Say that one more time deep into the microphone for me. <laughs> and <so> slower. <laughs> slowly. Slowly. <laughs> mm. Anyways. Say it dapper like that. <laughs> really. Like my boots. <laughs> Anyways, if we put it put put it back, is yes, they will. Uh, companies will sell price, things at different prices. For example, uh, two ninety nine for a Coke a Coke machine here versus a dollar somewhere else. Okay, yeah, they will do it depending how it got there, what the convenience of it. There's a whole bunch of other costs here that you're just saying it's the same thing. It must be the same price. No, that's a cognitive distance. It depends on a if it has to price. travel through a middle another yeah, so no, you, you made but, it I, I, I mean, but there is a drastic yeah, but drastic there's freedom mobile. It's it's the consumers you vote with your wallet and I'll say it every time you vote with your wallet. So if you don't want that service performed that way then don't give them money. So okay. you gotta shop around for a service you know what? that will provide that or start You're your right. own. Because what I'm doing as soon as my contracts are up on my cell phone I'm getting new <laughs> cell phones <laughs> From a different company. Because you know what I'm sick of? Sitting down and having to play the game with them. Yeah. Play the game. Well, and it, it came out of the news where you had to... These are the games you have to play with the certain cell phone companies. Why can't they just be straight with you? Okay. Why? So let's go back. they're going back to the community. Let's community. go back to the topic instead of chasing the squirrel. Oh, I'm chasing squirrels hard. Oh, Look at that little black one. Okay. Look at the little brown one. <laughs> All right. Um, but I get why people think that it's... Um, it's a dilution of Canadian identity. Well, and it still relates back. Okay, bringing it back though, there's another reason why we want Canadian companies to watch, watch uh, what they're doing. So we forgot everybody... to tell Smokey about smoke signals. Smoke signals. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Canadian companies. It's also the Privacy Act. So we talk about your data. What do you want them to keep and uh, having your own services. <laughs> So if we our cell phone usage goes routed through the states, we lose control over it. <clears throat> okay. The key point is is that when you're in the states and you have a server, all the servers are in the states. NSA also has the ability to listen to whatever they want. Can we sign an agreement that they can do that anyways with our stuff? No, they have to ask and ask permission first. They don't just randomly get it. 
And the United do they States do it through asking terms? permission to do stuff? Yes. So if it's on our soil, wow! Oh, pump the brakes because they're not as nice as us. They're gonna be like, "Hey there, fella, can we?" Uh, yeah, can so we stop, have a stop, stop. So we have the pri- the Information Privacy Act here in Canada protects Canadians. If our services are offshore in another country, we don't have the same protection. So the reason why we want to limit competition in that environment is so we have, can control uh, the spectrum of different companies, and there's only only spectrums that we can operate in. So. By giving diluting things, we, we're reducing the quality of the consumer, and that's why the CRTC is there to regulate to and protect the consumer. Yes, and I'd have to say the and CRTC, protect Canadian content. Yes, they're yes. doing both the identity, Canadian yes. identity, and they are doing one heck of a good job lately. Whoa, 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 whoa! Easy, easy. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh, say careful. that a little bit louder. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure we get that. <laughs> If the CRTC is listening, Smokey's on your side. Okay, he's they don't never... even know who you are. <laughs> he's just a thumbs up to that. One. I've never heard him defend a bureaucracy before. Oh, I know, I know. I, I don't know why I brought you here. Now I'm starting to question. <laughs> but we talk about... when it comes to bureaucracy, government well-run bureaucracy, I am. 110% on board with it. Well, something for another podcast episode. Yeah. I mean, and, look at Ministry of natural, natural Resources, but we're, we're chasing yeah, another Yeah, we're, we're getting out, down to it, but... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> when it comes to this kind of stuff, where corporations take advantage of the consumer and nothing is really done about it, they, oh, competition will solve it. Well, how the heck am I going to fucking be that competition to compete against Walmart to compete against Tim Hortons to compete against monsters, monsters, literally monsters who have the capital to be like, take our brand or take nothing at all. Well, take your defeatist attitude and walk it out the door. So if you look at the rise of Sears, how it came into being, how Eaton's came in, their rise, all they, all they explored, explored was a untapped niche. Mm-hmm. Now Sears start, originally started as a, as a catalog service. They, everybody else had big department stores. No one was doing catalogs. So one guy, Sears, decided to put out a catalog. And he was able to uh, get the small towns that it couldn't actually afford a bigger store to bring stuff in. So now they could do the mail order services. So how you rise to compete with the giants is be innovative. You are actually seeing that now. A You're little seeing bit. a lot of that with like it's online still businesses. It's still an uphill battle though. <clears throat> listen, corporations it would, easy, everybody would do it. Everybody would do it. Yeah, exactly. Everyone would do it. And if the rules supported the little business as opposed to the big business. Well, but no, little businesses are they're having an it's a, there's an it's almost seems like a new revolution in small business because you're seeing all of these small businesses who are cutting who are getting their own materials, they're making their own stuff. Um, they may be getting materials from overseas, like big corporations have been doing over the last what? 30, 40 years, possibly more, but they're, they're also tapping into that market where they're assembling and they're, they're delivering directly to the consumer and cutting out department star middlemen. Okay. So, yes. So how will we do that to grow from a small business to a large business? <laughs> we got to incorporate. Oh, we got to get investment from banks. <laughs> Not necessarily banks. 
other corporations, other people. If let's there do the GoFundMe. Hey, everyone. If you can share all on the GoFundMe if you let, want this podcast. At, let's, look at some, let's look at some, you know, for Whiskey and Rocks, let's look at some distilleries in Canada that, you know, they, they make a good buck. They make a, they earn a decent living. They churn out a good product. And then they end up, like, I think you used the example earlier as well. They end up getting bought out by, say, JP Weisers or something like that. Yeah, but that's, the company sets themselves <clears> up <throat> for that level of control. Like Hydro One didn't say, hey, guys, come buy me. No, you had to fill out the paperwork and say, I'm going to issue so many shares to so many people. Okay? So if that's how it works. And that was a political decision. And that was a political decision. Hmm. So, and we've been doing this for a long time. The, the Confederation uh, and the Railway that united all the provinces, external investment. Okay? That was the U.S. looking for our like resources. HBC? HBC oh, Hudson's a, Bay Company. Yeah, so they're foreign investment. Exactly. So you look at, but the thing is, Canadian companies are able to do it too. So Canadian potash in Saskatchewan are looking at being the world leader in in, in potash uh, production. Well, where else is potash? Uh, th- this a, is an honest question because no, I you're, the only thing I know about, and it might just be because I'm very Canadian. Is I know about Canadian products. Say about one more time. A boot. <laughs> and I know that Canadian potash is like one of the. There's very few places in the world that do it. There's yeah. some places near, but I can't remember where it is that I also produce. <laughs> and they go back and forth depending on how good the dollar is to looking at acquiring each other. And we and we have better natural supplies of it, correct? But we got lots of space. We're a big country. We're very few people. Mm. So, but potash is a critical ingredient in making concrete, and we only we only use concrete in very very select places. Cement, cement, <laughs> or concrete. So, what's but your what's your point here? My point is is that when we look to expand, Canadians are also investing abroad by putting these linkages. We t- accept foreign investment, and we invest uh, in foreign markets. Uh, stabilizes the entire country. So this is. Basically, globalization is what you're getting into. You just took it in. I was like, this is a free market uh, move right here. He's just going to. Modern imperialism hasn't. Uh, it's not. It's nothing modern about it. It hasn't changed at all. The crown has changed position. <laughs> what crown are you talking about? So you tell us what we're really opposed to. <laughs> the leader. You're not really opposed to anything. You just have certain gripes with, with bureaucracies, and some of them are, are sound. Um, you say we're eroding of Canadian identities. Yeah, but the thing is, is that you can vote with your wallet. If you don't no longer identify with, with what Tim Hortons is doing, don't shop there anymore. Shop at Starbucks. That's not me. <laughs> well, I'm just joking. But anyways, <laughs> okay, Mr. Moneybanks. <laughs> mm, here's many of my monies for this tiny little coffee. But there's a lot of different mom and pop shops that serve coffee. You go buy it there. Yeah. No, and you're absolutely uh, correct. Sure. Absolutely. Vote with your wallet. I do do that. Or drink tea. What? <laughs> We're going to sell tea at Tim Hortons. <laughs> it's just, it's the convenience. Come, comes in a nappy. You, you do bring up a good point about the the give-and-take relationship with the global economy, but uh, where do you draw the line with with protectionism, well, the with, protection- the, with the identity, and with, you mentioned the CRTC, with uh, Canadian <coughs> content? Well, there's also supplies. You can talk about the dairy market, where regulation, is, things are very tariffed heavily, but that controls the market. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I'm I'm. Where do you personally the, sit with that though? I'm pro the dairy controlling the dairy market. It's just an essential service for us to raise our families. If we open it up, if you look at the U.S., what's happening then with the overproduction? Hmm. Their their farmers are struggling to do it because yeah, they're are they more centrally controlled? If I no, got they're that not wrong? at all. So the go- the government is decentralized. They can produce whatever you want, and because they know the the, the, mark, the farmers are suffering, their government is actually buying the milk and just dumping it. Wow. Yeah. So they'll buy milk and milk <clears throat> products. There's like warehouses filled with cheese. Yeah. Of all things. But you got to look at the oh effect. So they have such a warehouse of it that if they want to get rid of it, they're going to dump it on market, and then our farmers won't get money for a while. No, I don't know about you, but I like living month to month on my paychecks. Yeah. So you you will not to get paid for a while. On top of all the other risks of drought and carrying feeding, because the animals just don't die off, our farmers are going to have the milk and nothing to do with it. So, so if we're looking for luxury external cheese, no, my hands just up just for fun. This is how I think. Okay. <laughs> so if we're look, so if we put a tariff and a, a heavy tariff on it to get the cheese in, we're still going to get the selection of cheeses. So if you really want that cheese, you can get. It can come in the market. You're going to pay a little bit more, but that's just to make sure that there's a barrier for not dumping us. So you want a free market, but heavily controlled by the government to protect Canadian industries, such as milk production, from a single source free market like the States? If it's something like essential services, I think that's where you're getting into. Like food. That's essential. People can't be without food. What would happen, let's say... Diplomatic ties broke off, and we weren't able to supply ourselves anymore. So then we'd well, all be listening to Nickelback because that'd be the only thing we'd be left with. Do you have a dead Nickelback? It's all the same. <laughs> so, anyways, no. So, so yes. Music. So, so some things are, and we have a regional benefits in the government, and that 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 that's a it's a, a whole other yeah hour long conversation. Not worried about that. Yeah. yeah. But when we look at production and tariffs, if we can produce. And I, I can sh- show you a little di- diagram on the board there where we talk about enterprise. Can you talk through that uh, diagram? It's going to be very difficult. So if, you, mm-hmm. if, if I can produce something cheaper in my country, let's say wheat, and we have a lot of space and we have a good agriculture program that's well established, and the prairies is ideal for growing those products, I can produce wheat more efficiently than most other countries. So rather than me focus on trying to build cell phones, I'm going to produce wheat and I'll focus on wheat because I'm good at it. I can give a good price for it when it goes to the market. If I try and invest and work on building cell phones, well, I don't have the technology. I don't have the resources. The startup and the barriers are really high. Um, Nor do I have the skilled workforce. So I'd rather focus on making wheat and using wheat to buy cell phones. uh, Comparatively, if I'm in a small region like Korea or, or the other place where there's less continent for me to grow agricultural products, it's not in my interest to grow wheat because it takes so much room. And I don't have necessarily the skill set and workforce for it. So why don't I just buy it? I'll trade cell phones for wheat. Because I can build more cell phones, it's easy. wheat becomes cheaper for me. And that's the con- the argument behind globalization. And it's a whole network of products that we can do this with. People might have an argument with that, though, because like not everybody's a wheat farmer. And you do need to be able to have sectors for people who excel at other things like Cell phone production. And you need yeah, uh, and in, industrial securities <clears throat> as well. If you're if you're tied to another country that's providing something <clears throat> that you, you may it might be a consumer good or it might be an essential good to what you deal with, like you don't have potash. Let's just use that for instance. So you are now tied to that potash market and all of a sudden it's cut. 
Yeah, and that's exactly it. So you're going to keep your essential services close, things you need to survive. Mm-hmm. You grow wheat, and so if, if you can't grow wheat, you're going to grow rice. You're going to find some other carbohydrate. You're going to grow potatoes. You're going to find other ways to sustain that, make sure that's fostering, uh, fostered in your country. Because, I mean, the U.S. is having that problem right now. So they can have a surplus production of th- some things, and then they feel that they're being dumped other products. And that creates woes, too, because why, why are we willing to pay for why we won't paying for stuff to come in the country when we have so much of the stockpile here. Hmm. Well, and, but, well, that's what's happened with China anyways, like with the States, well, with the rest of the world, they went from a rice farmer to identifying that they can do something cheaper and on a grander scale and went after it. And now we have Chinese <clears throat> products in everything in every sort of market. Cause people are a human resource and they had the population. Yeah. That's also true, and, but that's that's like a downside to the globalization. Uh, it is, but it, and they but, can even beat the tariffs. They can undercut those tariffs. Yeah, but so how, how do we? Well, how do we? I think that's a that's a whole other area for podcasts. Like, yeah, it, it, is, it is. It is a very yeah. complex thing because there's a whole bunch of other issues at play. I think if I could sum up a little bit, because we're getting towards the hour. Yeah, is <clears throat> um, so foreign investment. Isn't let me start that over again. Globalization, in the sense that we are exchanging goods for other goods, has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. If I can make four horseshoes and you got, you can provide me a saddle. We can make a deal. I'll give you a bunch of horseshoes. You give me a saddle. Do you need a saddle? Though? I have a couple <laughs> spares. <laughs> Squirrel. Anyways, the point is, is so then, but the thing is, let's say you're struggling and you want, you're really good, uh, really good at making saddles and you don't have necessarily the money to, uh, to buy all the raw materials for the production line. So I will give you the money with it, with uh, return. So every dollar you make now, you're going to give me a, a, a small little cut of it. I just gave you an investment into producing more and reaching other markets. This has been around for a while. It's nothing new. It's, it's not going to change. I do agree it's with you on that. True. Aside from when you have bureaucracy. It is. It, it, the thing is, there's inefficiencies everywhere. But the problem, the, the question or the, the issue I'd bring up to you is that if they're notoriously inefficient, they won't last long. Sears started, was a revolutionary when it started. It just late 90s and the early 2000s didn't keep up with the changing times and suffered for it. So they didn't update. They didn't update. They didn't look forward. <clears throat> they didn't do the continued investment process that, that would, allow, would allow them to survive. And they so paid for it. Regardless if you're a crown corporation, regardless if you're a publicly traded corporation, regardless if you're a private mom and pop shop, if, if you're not planning for that future, if you're not trying to be innovative, you're going to die. Yeah. And countries too. Mm. And there's lots of failed states where they've gone bankrupt. Yeah. So, and there's some there's something that I think you've brought up before, maybe not necessarily on this podcast though, but businesses like stable countries. Uh-huh. Um, they like they like investing in stable countries. It's just the smart thing to do. Yeah, I don't know how to expand on that. <laughs> no, and that's why we we're, if you're looking to stash your money in a, a place that's stable and stable and outside your currency. Because if your currency is unstable, you want to buy when you can into another company that is stable, and then your your currency can float. 
you can, when you need the assets back, you can sell part of that assets to refloat your ventures somewhere else. Mm. So that's what makes this country desirable. That's what why foreign companies want to invest. They don't want to destroy our, our way of life because they like it. They like the way we operate. They might want to trim margins here and there to make a bit more money, but all businesses are doing that. Hmm. And we so, have been doing it for 120 years. So then, <laughs> so then why, at the end of the day, why is a place like Ontario the most indebted sub-sovereign state in the world? Because we didn't win? It's because they're Oh, my <laughs> God. The door is that way. <laughs> I would say it's because only 30, 35% of the people vote. That, that, that's a whole other, that's a whole, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that. tight to my heart. But And that's where we're going to cut it today. I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, thank you for tuning into the podcast. I uh, hope you were as uh, informed as uh, I was. I, I certainly learned something today. I've been Rocks. I'm Whiskey. I guess I'm Smoky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot, folks. And uh, tune in next week.